It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Breakdown to Breakthrough podcast. My name is Lisa A. Romano. I am a life coach, best-selling author, YouTube vlogger, meditation teacher, and expert in the field of codependency and narcissistic abuse. I am a believer in the power of an organized mind. My aim is to help people learn what it means to live above the veil of consciousness rather than living a reactive life. May your heart feel blessed, your mind feel expanded, and your spirit find hope as you spend time with me here at the Breakdown to Breakthrough podcast. Namaste, everybody. I hope you have your notebook ready because today we're going to be talking about why a narcissist has to work so hard to distort reality. So before we get started, I think it's important that we preface this video by understanding that just because someone disagrees with us or just because someone can be full of themselves or just because someone can be nasty does not make them a narcissist. We all have the potential to exhibit narcissistic traits. We have a bad day, we don't feel well, we get stuck in traffic, someone ticks us off, we have a knee-jerk reaction and we react poorly, means that we have had a narcissistic moment. But when we're talking about narcissism, we're talking about very particular signs, symptoms, and particularly pervasive patterns. So we're talking about someone who lives in a fantasy world. And the staples are a lack of empathy, exploitation, and a sense of entitlement. So a narcissist is this way all the time. A narcissist is someone who really sees themselves as they are not. So you might look at someone who has high narcissistic traits and think they're a real pain in the neck, or they're really self-absorbed, or they're really arrogant, or she's really cocky, or who does she think she is, or who does he think he is? You might know someone who cheats on their wife or cheats on every boyfriend that they have. Or you might know someone who thinks nothing of putting other people down, especially those who can do nothing for them. And your heart, you might be feeling very negatively about this person, but in the mind of a narcissist, they don't see themselves clearly. They're not living in reality. A narcissist is someone who, at least studies are proving, that narcissists tend to be people who are very fractured on the inside. And this doesn't mean that we feel sorry for a narcissist or we pity a narcissist, because that's not going to help a narcissist change in the long run. The goal for you is to recognize when you are dealing with someone who has high narcissistic traits, not so that you can manipulate them, not so that you can get into battle with them, 
but it's sort of like walking into a zoo and recognizing, oh, that's the lion's den and that's the alligator pit. I think maybe I'll avoid those exhibits today. It means that when you are able to logically and reasonably recognize a narcissist in your life, you do everything that you can to avoid them if possible. It means that if you have the knowledge and the understanding of what narcissism is, is and how it gets played out in life, then you are ahead of the game because you're no longer living below the veil of consciousness. You have some self-awareness around this personality issue and you are able then to monitor your reaction to people. Before I realized that my dad had high narcissistic traits, before I realized that some of the people that I loved in my family had high narcissistic traits, I did a couple of things. The first thing that I did was I tried to fawn and I tried to gain my father's approval. And I lived on the edge of my seat trying to figure out how to make him happy. I lived in fear of his criticism. And I also learned through conditioning by my mom to do everything I can to make him feel better about himself. So I didn't realize that at seven years old, I was participating in the propping up of my father's delusion of self or his sense of self or this not really realistic version of himself that existed in his mind. I believe that my father thought that he was a much greater father than he actually was. I believe that he thought he was a much greater husband than he actually was. And I think my father thought that all the way around, he was a much better business person than he actually was. When I think back on my dad and I think about how we were raised, I realized today that any time any of us, as we got older, challenged who we thought our father thought he was, there was hell to pay. There were consequences. We were threatened to be cut out of the will. We were mocked. There was a meltdown by my dad. In other words, he became angry when you decided to not prop up his version of himself. So my dad was working very, very hard to keep this fantasy alive in his head. And those of us in my family, my mother was the greatest codependent in this situation of all, she trained us to hold this mirror up for him so he could feel good about himself. And in the process, we learned to disown ourselves. We learned to disown our feelings. We learned to worry about what was happening outside of ourselves. We learned to believe that it was our job to make other people happy. And if we didn't, there were negative consequences that would definitely play out in our lives. And our brains, by default, knew that this was a consequence we needed to avoid. So the pain versus pleasure principle was activated and we were conditioned to think that daddy being upset was a negative outcome. And so by default, we all did everything that we could to keep him happy. In my marriage, when I didn't know that I was dealing with something that was more on the lines of covert narcissism, I oftentimes became extremely frustrated. I became angry because I felt like I wasn't being heard. And quite frankly, I wasn't. I was being stonewalled. There was passive aggressiveness. There were the never-ending conversations about, oh, I promise to change. Yes, you're right. And things never change. There were the put-downs. There were the innuendos. There were the snarky remarks. There were the looks and the glares by this person that I loved and I lived with. And all of these 
attributes of covert narcissism, which I didn't understand, left me feeling exasperated. It left me feeling frustrated. It left me feeling very alone. And oftentimes I felt crazy because I was dealing with someone who was absolutely convinced that they were better than I was, that they were a better Christian than I was, that they were just an all around better person than I was. And because I was not aware of what I was dealing with on the surface, he seemed correct because everyone seemed to love him. I did not recognize that he had many faces and that he could very easily pick up on what other people needed. And in the moment, he fulfilled that need. And in doing that, in appealing to strangers' narcissism, he was afforded the benefit of being liked, whereas I was far more emotionally honest and I could not play that game. And so if I felt like I didn't like someone, I didn't pretend that I did. I would just avoid the person. And if I felt like someone was pushing my boundaries and trying to get me to do something for them that I should never have to do, I would say no, especially if it was a stranger. Whereas my ex-husband was very much willing to lend people his car and to do things for people that he do things for other people that he might not even do for his own family. But on the surface, it just looked like people loved him. I did not know at the time that stonewalling was causing me to feel frustrated. I didn't even know that stonewalling was a thing. I didn't know that this idea that he was being passive aggressive was actually affecting the way that I saw myself, the way that I behaved, and the way that I felt my overall energy. I didn't know that I was being exasperated to the point that the frustration was leading me to feel physically ill, which is how I ended up developing adult onset asthma, migraine headaches, stomach issues, heart palpitations, terrible anxiety. I was physically getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and he looked completely fine. So before I recognized what narcissism was, or more fairly, what narcissistic traits were, and what the consequences of living with someone with high narcissistic traits actually were, I was lost in a mass of confusion. Today, I recognize the benefit of living above the veil of consciousness and studying narcissism for the sake of benefiting myself, for benefiting my communities, and teaching my children even about what to look out for. Because the only reason I think we study narcissism is for ourselves. Not to hurt anyone, not to judge anyone, but basically to say, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with. Now I know why I feel the way I feel when I'm around you. So now I have some tools and now I'd like to move out of this relationship with you. Or I would like to, to use boundaries to help me survive it. So now that you know a little bit about narcissism and now that you're studying narcissism, now you understand that you have power when you recognize what you're dealing with. I found tremendous empowerment in understanding that a narcissist has to work very, very hard at distorting reality. A narcissist has to work really, really hard at convincing other people that they are not what the person might think they are. I found great benefit in understanding that a narcissist has to work hard at distorting rational thinking. So they actually are illogical and that takes effort. A narcissist has to remain in this fantasy world. A narcissist has to believe 
that they are much greater than they actually are. And they have to work in the 3D world to try to somehow support and prop up this delusional reality of themselves. And so that's why I think narcissists have to work very hard because reality clashes with their fantasy. And when this happens, the narcissist doesn't always do well. When a narcissist is, feels like you're calling them out, they can't accept what you're saying. And that's why they blame shift. It has to be your fault. Narcissists are highly sensitive to criticism. They have to work hard at convincing you that you're the reason they're angry. A narcissist has to work very hard at distorting the truth in order to convince you that you're wrong. And maybe this idea that they're working hard is kind of ambiguous in the idea that it's all they know how to do. It's automatic. It's by default. They don't always recognize when they're doing it. They really do believe that they're better than everyone else. And they don't really care what you think. And they very quickly dismiss you if they feel criticized by you and you refuse to mirror back to them how beautiful they are, how special they are, even how wounded they are. And they'll dismiss you quickly and minimize you very, very quickly and devalue you when you rub that narcissistic injury. It's important that we realize that narcissists aren't in love with their true self, which is their wounded self. They're not in love with that aspect of themselves. They are in love with some distorted version of who they are. They're in love with this idea, this fantasy of who they are. It's almost like when you're thinking about the Wizard of Oz and the man behind the curtain and imagine the Wizard of Oz thinking that he's this incredible magician and no one should find out that he's really this tiny, feeble little man that lives behind the curtain. The Wizard of Oz that lives behind the curtain has to work very, very hard at convincing other people he is stronger and more wiser and more talented than he actually is. And that's sort of the way it is with people who have high narcissistic traits. They are doing everything that they can to convince other people that they are the most beautiful, that they are the most intelligent. And so they require the admiration and the, the affirmation from others to help prop up this delusional reality that they hold of themselves. And it can be really mind bending when you love someone and you're looking at them and they think they are the most empathetic, kindest person in the world, but you just saw them rip someone's face off for a minor comment about why are you late for dinner? And they'll rip the person's face off. Yet, as soon as that's over, the narcissist will begin a conversation about how special they are and how sensitive they are and how empathic they are. And everyone else around the table is thinking, what's up? Like, does this person understand how she or he is coming off? Does not match what they're saying? No. And so in that situation, a narcissist is reading the room and will very much be sensitive to when people are not propping up that reality. And oftentimes there is hell to pay because the narcissist will pick at the person that they feel is the weakest link and will start a fight with them. Like, what do you don't think that I'm empathetic? What are you trying to say? They won't go up against the person that might be able to challenge them intellectually, but they will pick on the person in the group that is the weakest link to get their point across. 
And what's happening in that situation is the narcissist is feeling as if this person is refusing to play along and it insults them. And to recover from feeling like this person refuses to prop up their delusional reality of themselves, then a narcissist has to punish that person. And that's the way they rock and that's the way they roll. So some of the things that you might hear someone say about someone that they think is a narcissist is that the person is cocky, the person is self-absorbed, the person is nasty, the person is impossible, the person is high maintenance, everything's a problem, nothing ever goes smooth for this person, this person is mean, this person thinks nothing about putting other people down, this person thinks she's a queen, or this guy thinks he's a king, this person thinks they're better than everybody else. These are the kinds of things that you'll hear other people say about someone in their group that is narcissistic. And you might even feel this way about someone that you know. There's this level of arrogance. There's a level of entitlement. And what's really interesting is that the person who is highly narcissistic doesn't see, not always, doesn't always see that their arrogance is a problem. It's like they don't care that they're arrogant. They don't care that they embarrass the person serving them food at the restaurant. They don't care that they knocked into the old lady that was trying to cross the street with the grocery cart. She was in their way. If she didn't want to get knocked over, she shouldn't have been in the way. Why is she walking in the crosswalk? Why is she out of the house with the person who's supposed to be helping her walk across the crosswalk? It's not my fault she's an old lady and it takes her 20 minutes to walk across the crosswalk. I have things to do. This is literally the way a narcissist thinks. Now, you as the partner will think, that is so rude. Like, where is the empathy and compassion for this old woman? This sense of entitlement will be palpable. And so these are the things you're looking for in terms of the traits of a narcissist. So here are the things that you will see that, well, here are the things that a narcissist lacks. So you actually won't see them in a narcissist, but if you think about them, which means that you have to come out of the box a little bit, because healthy people do have these qualities. And it's not always easy when we're trying to assess like what is going on in this relationship. It's not always easy to recognize what's missing. It's so much easier to recognize what is. Like I said, entitlement, this grandiose perception of self, this arrogance, this self-inflation, this hypersensitivity to criticism, this lack of empathy. But here are things that you won't see in a narcissist. And those things are sensibility. You won't see a narcissist behave sensibly. Things won't make sense. Their reactions will be over the top. And they will expect you to think about their perception all of the time. So the narcissist doesn't realize that in their super reaction to you or their overreaction to you, that they don't have empathy for you. They won't realize that. From their vantage point, you didn't have empathy for them. You didn't consider them, and that makes them angry. So they're not sensible. Even if you say, my dog died, that's why I'm late for work, they're not sensible. It's illogical to them. All they care about is that you were late for work, they expected you to be there at nine nine o'clock in the morning, you showed up at 9.20, therefore, you are an enemy to them. And in their head, lots of times, they come up with this idea that you did it on purpose to hurt them. They won't believe that your dog died. They'll have very little empathy for you. So you won't see sensibility. The next thing, you won't see fairness, which sort of goes along the lines of sensibility. But a narcissist is not fair. 
Through the eyes of a narcissist, they are superior to you. So that means to be fair to you is to go against this idea that they are superior to you. The last thing a narcissist wants is to feel ordinary. The last thing a narcissist wants is to be like everybody else. Because in order to prop themselves up and to hide their insecurities, they have to rely on this idea that they are better than everyone else. So being fair just doesn't compute for them. You will, from time to time, bump into a communal narcissist who is doing everything that they're doing for the sake of receiving accolades. So if they they donate to your cause, they want you to talk about it on Instagram. If they do something for your family, they want you to show it off on Facebook. If it's their birthday, they expect you to get a brass band and celebrate their birthday because they did something for you. When someone is a communal narcissist, they're doing it for the payoff. They're doing it for the trophy. They're doing it for the pat on the back. It's not genuine. They're not doing it for you. They're not really interested in enriching your life or helping your cause. It's all about them. And so what you'll see is, even though on the surface, you might get involved with a narcissist who seems to have a love for a cause, when it comes down to a point where the narcissist needs to be affirmed, that's the payoff, that's when you'll see the unfairness. And that's where you'll notice the lack of fairness. That's where you'll notice the lack of logic. It doesn't make sense that someone who is donating to this cause is making the cause about them. It's irrational. If you're donating to a cause, you do it for the cause. You're doing Toys for Tots, you do it for that child that's going to open up that gift. You don't donate to Toys of Tots and then announce it all over Facebook. That takes away the blessing that you are offering this child. When you do something for someone, don't tell anybody. That's the best way to benefit from, in terms of the law of attraction for the blessing. So give your blessing and shush. But that's not the way a narcissist rolls. So another thing that you'll notice that a narcissist lacks is understanding. So a narcissist does not understand your point of view. Unless, of course, your point of view is a point of view that is mirroring back this idea that a narcissist is better than you, that you are the one who screwed up, not them. If you are someone who is in a situation where you need to manipulate a narcissist, then all you do is mirror what a narcissist wants. It's pretty easy to get them to calm down when you know that what they need is to feel better than you. And so when you say things to them like, yeah, you're right, I was wrong. Yeah, you're right, I should have known better. The narcissist starts to calm down because their narcissistic meter has gone up. You have offered them narcissistic supply. You are now propping up their grandiose perception of self, and they can now feel like you get it. You understand what time it is. They're better than you. And so there's no need to like continue to put you down once you acquiesce and once you tell them what they need to hear. So the narcissist is not understanding of you, unless of course you're understanding the narcissist, but it's a pseudo understanding. It's false. Narcissist doesn't understand you because the narcissist doesn't see you as a 3D autonomous being. You are a source of narcissistic supply. They're gaining something from you. So you're not even a 3D person, which is really debilitating mentally when you've been in a relationship with someone and you start to gain concept of this, like this person didn't see me. The last relationship that I had 
that really brought me to my knees. It was a very short relationship, but this was the dynamic. I was a mark. I was prey. And in all my other relationships that were also dysfunctional, and I admit I was the common denominator until I got myself together and started to realize that I am still ignoring red flags. And I really, really got it. There was no more messing around. Like I thought that I had a spiritual awakening. awakening. It was not. It was a false awakening. And that's why a little information is dangerous because I thought I knew everything that I needed to know about codependency and about abandonment trauma, and I certainly did not. So this last relationship turned out that I was marked. I was his prey, and he was a predator. He learned me. He was investigating my background. He knew so much about me. He may have even known me better than I knew myself, and he used this to manipulate me. And sadly, I was one of seven. And we were all highly functioning women. We all owned our own businesses. We all owned our own homes. And it turns out that he was marking us for his own gain. So he had an agenda. And when I realized that this relationship was that deceptive, the level of betrayal that I felt, even though it was a very short relationship, left me feeling inside out. It was very difficult for me to wrap my mind around this idea that there are people out there that prey on other people and they know what they're doing. And there is an absolute agenda and you are not seen as a flesh, blood and bone person. You are a means to an end. And when you come at that relationship so authentically and so honestly and so vulnerably and you wake up and you smell what's really going on, it can be extremely debilitating. But I can tell you that some of us need that awakening. Some of us are walking around through life like we're children. We assume that everyone thinks like the, us. And that's just not the truth. And that relationship taught me to wake up. That relationship taught me to recognize that there are predators out there and I needed to protect myself. No matter what this person looked like, no matter what they said, I needed to be smart about things and I needed to honor myself and not enter into relationships like a child, hoping to be loved, making people the mommy that I never had, or making people the dad that I never had, and hoping some other person would fill me up in the way that I had not been filled up as a child. Oh no, I realize it's time for you to, well, time for me to fill myself up so much that this will never happen again. And I'm so thankful that everything I learned put me on that path. And in time, I was able to manifest a wonderful, beautiful relationship with my husband, Anthony. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Another thing that you'll notice that a narcissist lacks is forgiveness. Narcissists don't forgive. Narcissists are vindictive. Narcissists hold grudges. Narcissists remind you over and over and over and over of what you've done wrong. A narcissist doesn't want you to forgive other people. They will put you down for forgiving other people. They will make you think like there's something wrong with you because you want to be forgiving. So you'll notice that in a personality trait of a narcissist. They lack genuine empathy. They might, on the surface, act like they're caring about you, but it has to do with them. So if they do offer you money, it's because they don't want you to be a burden to them later on in life. So it's not about you in the moment. It's about you possibly wanting more from them in the future. And they get to avoid this by offering you money now. And they're complaining about it the whole time. So a narcissist on the surface might offer you help, but 
if you observe it long enough, what you'll notice is they're doing it for their own gain. They either want to be affirmed for it or they're, they want to blame you and put you down because they're the ones who helped you, which is a source of narcissistic supply. So they hang it over your head. They remind you of what they've done for you. They remind you of how incapable you are. So there is the guilt. There's the shame. They make you feel obligated to them. All sources of narcissistic supply. And in lots of cases, a narcissist will do something for you because they don't want you to bother them later. And again, that's about them. So they lack genuine empathy. Narcissists are not kind. Kindness is a very special trait. And kind people, in my opinion, are rare. The type of people who automatically look at other people and think, there's my brother and there's my sister. We are one. And I'm certainly not better than them. It's a very rare trait, and I think it's a beautiful trait. And I wish that I felt like more people were kind. I wish that the world was full of more kinder people. But I do think that when we're trying to figure out, is someone in my life a narcissist? What you'll notice is they are unkind. They are not kind creatures. They do not see people as 3D autonomous human beings that are not less than them. So you'll notice that they are not kind. Another thing that you'll notice is they lack contentment. Nothing is ever enough. There's irritability there. There's a lot of judgment. Well, why does this person who is so much less attractive than me, why is she married with three children? Why does she have a great husband? Oh my God, look at her. Look at her body. She doesn't have a body like mine. Why is she happy? Look at her. Look at her. So when you're dealing with someone who has high narcissistic traits, you'll hear this and what you're, what you're not seeing or what is missing is a sense of contentment. What you're seeing is irritability. What you're seeing is jealousy. What you're seeing is arrogance. Another thing that you'll see is that they will lack genuine appreciation for other people. They'll always say something negative about another person. They're never quite happy with their friends. They're never quite happy with other people. There's always something about every, every person in their life that's less than. This feeds their narcissistic self. When a narcissist begins to go off into fantasy thinking, which they do struggle with, although they don't think they're struggling at all, a narcissist is someone that goes off on these tangents about how amazing they are. They talk about their talents. They talk about how brilliant they are. They won't tell you that someone else gave them the job. They'll just talk about the fact that they are just so deserving of this job. They will definitely exaggerate their talents. They will, like I said, spin off into these world whimsical ideas of themselves that are not supported by reality. They do not tell you the whole truth. And so a narcissist has to work very hard at spinning reality because reality doesn't match what's really going on in their head. So they have to spin reality. So when they're talking to people, they have to regurgitate this idea about themselves or this story that they're telling themselves to other people. And then they have to manage how people are responding to this story. And woe to the person who threatens this distorted perception of them. Woe to the person that's going to take a pin and pop their bubble, their fantasy bubble. Woe to the person who says, wait a minute, that's not true. This is true. Because that person will, the narcissist will turn the tables and become very defensive and very vindictive 
towards the person who represents a clear vision of reality. If you love a narcissist, what you'll notice is that this person really doesn't have the ability to feel for you. This person has no ability to wonder what it's like or to feel what it's like to be you. You'll notice and you'll ask yourself, like, how can this person be so punishing? You'll wonder if this person loves you or even likes you. You'll have no clue. Even though this person might say, I love you, I care about you, in the back of your head, you'll wonder, do they like me? Because they are so punishing. They are so menacing. And this is because a narcissist never developed the ability to have feelings for other people. When it comes to this type of behavior and people wonder, is it on purpose? Sometimes it is on purpose. Sometimes it is malevolent. And other times they just have no clue that they're doing it. It's so normal for them. When you try to explain how you feel to a narcissist, which is something that I gave up trying to do with people like my dad, because when you try to explain to someone who has high narcissistic traits about how their behavior affected you, they don't get it. All they feel is what they needed in the moment. And you, dear one, are completely irrelevant. You just don't matter in the world of a narcissist. No matter what they say, this is how you'll feel. You will feel like, I don't think that they like me. I don't think that they care about me because you're not crazy. A narcissist has never developed the ability to care about the needs of others. At the end of the day, when you're dealing with someone who has high narcissistic traits, you are dealing with someone who is not looking for someone who is a 3D autonomous person, who wants to have a fair relationship with, who cares about the way that you feel, who comes home from work and wants to have an honest, open conversation about your needs and about your experiences of the day. Narcissists want one thing. They want someone who's going to adore them. They want someone who's going to mirror back this idea that they are the best that no one understands them, that they're special, that they're unique. And so the world of a narcissist can oftentimes be very, very small. And they will only keep people in their inner circle who reinforce this idea that they are so special. Even though if you look at the life of a narcissist, their life might not be happy at all, but they will have a reason for why life is the way it is, and it will never be their fault. And For them to be able to manifest healthy relationships, they're going to have to be vulnerable. They're going to have to admit that they are the common denominator. They're going to have to come off their high horse. They're going to have to give up thinking that they're the most beautiful or they're they're the richest or they're the most brilliant. They're going to have to stop requiring someone in their reality to hold up a mirror to them to keep this delusion going. It's very difficult, if not impossible, for someone with really high narcissistic traits to admit they're just like everybody else, to admit to the fact that they're mean, to admit to the fact that they don't care what other people feel. And when you say that to a narcissist, they're baffled. They think you're out of your mind. So it's a no-win situation when you confront someone who has high narcissistic traits. If you are dealing with a narcissist, the reality is you have to stop playing their game. You have to stop looking at them as if they aren't who they really are. You have to look at the way they talk to people. You have to look at the way they talk to their friends. You have to look at the way they speak to people who can do nothing for them, like a waiter or someone who works at a hotel. 
Look at the way they treat people in the street. Do they care about other people? You have to look at who this person really is. Why is that important? Because so many of us who have narcissists in our lives have high empathy. We oftentimes have CPTSD. We often are fawners, we're rescuers, we're fixers, and in other words, we're codependent. We are people in this world that are other-focused, and we manifest people who are self-focused. It's literally an energetic design. And so if I am focused on others, and I don't know how to focus on myself, and if I have low self-esteem, then being with someone who appears confident and who seems like they know what they're doing appeals to someone like me. So a codependent will oftentimes manifest charismatic narcissists in their lives, and that makes them feel secure. But it ends up being a relationship that is supposed to be built for two, that is really only serves one person, and you end up feeling completely lost. And all of the childhood abandonment issues that are at the core of why you are codependent in the first place will be reinforced in this relationship with someone who has high narcissistic traits. So it's really important that if you're in this type of a relationship, you see things clearly. You have to stop reinforcing the fantasy. Now, I often tell my clients and those who participate in my online group coaching classes that don't open your mouth and don't set a boundary with anyone unless you intend to keep it. Because if you are going to set a boundary with someone, especially someone with high narcissistic traits, you're, you have to know they're going to challenge you. And you have to know that if you get soft on your boundary, they're going to punish you for setting the boundary. Maybe not right away, but a narcissist who feels as if you set a boundary and you are not reinforcing this idea that they're perfect, they will punish you in time. They don't want to lose you as a source of narcissistic supply. So the minute you back down on your boundary in time, that narcissist is going to find ways to abuse you. And that's something you really need to be aware of. It's also important, you've heard me say this many times if you've been following my work, don't argue with a narcissist. First of all, the narcissist doesn't see you as a flesh, bone, and blood person. You are there to prop up the grandiose sense of self that a narcissist seems to have that is not rooted in reality. That is your purpose. So don't argue with a narcissist. Don't take things personally. Realize that whoever was standing in front of the, the narcissist would need to behave a certain way in order to help a narcissist feel better about themselves. So try not to think, take things personally. Try to recognize that it doesn't matter who walks through the door, the narcissist, because remember, narcissism is about a pervasive pattern. It's not just a one-time deal or it happens a couple of times a year. This is a pervasive pattern. And so you are a source of narcissistic supply, as is every person they meet. Really important, stop putting them on a pedestal. Stop needing them to pat you on the back. Stop looking for them to affirm you. Stop hoping that they'll say to you, oh yeah, you are good enough. You see, a narcissist has to keep telling you that you're not good enough so that you keep hoping that one day you'll figure them out and you'll do enough for them to tell you that they're enough. It's really a terrible situation to find yourself in. So it's really important that you make sure that you stop seeking the narcissist validation. Get on your own self-discovery journey. Heal your inner child. Figure out why you are codependent. Heal from codependency. Look for help for codependency. 
begin to live life on your terms. I do not suggest you poke a narcissist in the eye. If you can back out of these unhealthy dynamics slowly, that's the best thing for you. When I first realized that my dad had high narcissistic traits and I began to awaken, I was really irritated because I could see how he had controlled the family for so long. And I got really mouthy around him. And it was because I figured it out and he exploited my need for his approval. He exploited my mother's need for his approval. He exploited my brother and my sister's need for, for approval. And I wasn't having it. And so out of the three of us, between my sister, my brother, and I, I became very, very mouthy. And I would push my father back. And it never got me anywhere. It just made him angry. He took it out of my he took it out on my mom. And I just realized that there's nothing that I'm going to say to awaken him. And so I stopped poking my finger in his eye and I just accepted it and I let it go. I understood what I was dealing with. I was backing out of this family dynamic. I was not going to listen to my mom cry and complain about my father anymore. I didn't want to listen to my brother and my sister talk about my father anymore. I just thought, you know what? I figured it out and I hope you do too. And I'm not going down this path with you anymore. And my resonance changed. My frequency changed. My vibrations changed, which is the benefit of letting go of a narcissist. As always, if you're dealing with someone who has high narcissistic traits, it's a great idea to get yourself into a support group. It's a wonderful idea to get yourself a therapist who understands this dynamic if you feel like you need it. It's very important to start collecting data and evidence if you're living with someone who you think might financially abuse you. If you have to record conversations, record them. If you have to print out text messages, print them out. Keep a record of the conversations that you're having because narcissists use crazy making communication to confuse you. And so make sure that you're constantly creating timelines about what really is factual. This will help you as you begin to make your exit from the narcissistic relationship. Remember to go no contact with the narcissist if you decide to leave the relationship. Remember that Grey Rock and Shati Shati are great tools that you can use as you exit the relationship. Shati Shati and going no contact and Grey Rock, these are tools that you can use to help you plan the rest of your life. Because once you realize who is narcissistic in your life and you begin to break away, you need to maintain these boundaries. And those are tools that you can use to help you do that. Last but not least, remember that when a narcissistic relationship comes to, comes to an end, there's an aspect of you that is so wounded. It's about betrayal. It's about really fe feeling used. It's about where was I? You have so much confusion when you end a narcissistic relationship. But we also have to let go of the fantasy that we created in our head based on the fantasy the narcissist created in our relationship. We have to let go of the future we thought we were going to have. If the narcissist promised that we were going to get married, we have to grieve that reality. We have to grieve that experience. It's never going to happen. If the narcissist said that he or she wanted to have children with you, started a business with you, if the narcissist promised that he was going to leave his wife or she was going to leave her husband, and you're starting to realize that you're dealing with someone who just sees people as props and toys, then you are going to have to grieve the fantasy that you so often clung to and used to help you stick in this relationship when you were involved with the narcissist. You're going to have to grieve and you're going to have to let that go. This too shall pass. I really hope that this has been helpful. I hope it's been enlightening and I hope it's been able to help you better understand 
why it is a narcissist has to work so hard to distort reality. Namaste, everybody. Until next time. Bye for now.